Awesome. How are you guys doing? All right, I'm going to need your help as we get started. Um, this week, actually, it was, that's not true. A couple weeks ago, I was walking around backstage, and, uh, and I saw this. Okay, this literally is the lost and found bin from this building. Okay, and it sits backstage and collects a bunch of stuff and a bunch of dust. And I saw it, and I was like, man, I feel really sad for this stuff that's in here, right? Like, I mean, it's just useless stuff sitting in this bin, and nobody wants it right? Kind of sad. Would you guys agree with that a little bit? I mean, it, there could be some really great stuff in here, but who would know? It's just collecting dust. So I want you guys to think for a second with me, and I want you, when I find a pen that works, I want you to give me some words that might describe the things that are in this lost and found bin. Not the actual items, but tell me about them. Tell me what they have in common being in there. Does that make sense? So what words come to mind? Just raise your hand or shout them out. Lauren. <laughs> Lonely, that's good. Unwanted, that's a good one. What was that one? Lost, absolutely. <laughs> that's true, they are all lost. That's very good. Anything else? Homeless, what else? Left behind, good. This isn't a very good marker. You guys probably can't read these, but that's okay. Helpless. Uh, poor, lost, and found things are helpless. It's true. What else? Missed. That's good. Any other ideas? What was that one? I can't hear you. Found. Okay. Found by someone. Right? Anything else that comes to mind? That's a pretty good list. So lost, lonely, forgotten, unwanted, left behind, helpless, missed, and they are found, although, are these, is this anyone's glove? <laughs> Anyone? No? Didn't think so. Okay. So what we're going to do to celebrate the story that we're going to talk about tonight, this is just to get you thinking a little bit about this concept, is we're going to participate in a little group karaoke. Is that all right? How many of you guys are karaoke fans out there? Anyone? I know you are. You can't hide. Okay, so um, tonight we're going to be talking about the story of Zacchaeus from Luke chapter 19. And to get us started, do you guys remember the song you learned when you were a little kid? The Zacchaeus song, right? We're totally going to do VeggieTales karaoke. So... You have to sing along, and I would just like to point out the weirdness of, like, the bouncing object, and just, like, see what you think about that, because I think it's really weird and doesn't make any sense. So here we go. Everybody ready to sing? Feel free to sing along um, with VeggieTales, Zacchaeus. Oh, yeah. And the bug. Who this little guy is right here, but he's kind of weird. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Hello! And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down! For I'm going to your house today. Yes, I'm going to your house today. <laughs> hey, what's with the Egyptian thing? Here we go, one more time. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Very tiny. He 
Buzz is winning, right? But you get the idea. So kind of cool. Give yourselves a hand. Little little Zacchaeus karaoke going on. Okay. Here's what I'd like you guys to do. I'm going to tell you the story of Zacchaeus. And so if you are able, if you would stand um, for the very words of God, and I'd like to share with you the story of Zacchaeus. So if you are able to stand, please do. These are the very words of God from Luke chapter 19. When Jesus entered Jericho, he was passing through. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was trying to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass by. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for today I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Now when they all saw this, they grumbled. See how he is going in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood, and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I repay it fourfold. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. These are the very words of God from Luke chapter 19. Here's what I want you to do. While you're standing, I want you to turn to one other person, or two or three, how you like. And I just want you to talk for a minute, and here's your question. This crowd over here that was watching that happen, how did this crowd think about Zacchaeus? Okay, just talk about that for a second. What did they think of him, the crowd? Turn to someone, talk about that for a second, and then I'm going to ask you your answers. Okay, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. And I'd like to know some of the things that you came up with. So if you are brave enough, raise your hand and just tell me some of the things that maybe the crowd thought of Zacchaeus. Who's brave? Who has something? 
Anyone know? Any ideas? Yes, right here. Okay, the crowd was jealous. That's great. What else? Absolutely. He was scum. We're going to talk about that. It's really good. What else? Uh-huh. That's good. Anybody else? Anything else the crowd thought of Zacchaeus? He was a thief. Yeah. Sinner, absolutely. That's good. Yep. He was a cheat. Did you say cheap or cheat? Cheat. John. Traitor. Anything else? Right here. Unworthy. Anybody else before we stop? Right back there. Condemned. Interesting. So here's my question for you. This list on the right, this list of things that the crowd thought about Zacchaeus, don't answer this out loud. Have you ever thought about that, thought these things about anyone else? Have you ever been the one thinking these things about someone else? And then maybe another question, has anyone thought any of these things about you? These are the things that the crowd thought about Zacchaeus. We're going to take a look at the story tonight and find out if they were right or if they were wrong. Okay, so lots of you guys grabbed a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you could probably raise your hand and someone would bring you one. But we're going to turn to Luke chapter 19, and we're going to take a look at this story. And we're going to try to discover tonight if the crowd was right or if the crowd was wrong. So Jen's bringing Bibles. Does anyone else want one? Oh, Jen, over here. you got a couple customers. We're turning to Luke chapter 19, um, starting with verse 1. And there are some of you in the crowd tonight who have little white pieces of paper because you're going to read. So when I come to your verse, I'll ask you if you have it, and then um, you'll stand up and just read in a real loud, a real loud voice. Okay? Anyone else need a Bible? Are we good? Okay, awesome. Here we go. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Who has verse 1? Phil, stand up and read it for us. Okay, here's what I want you to do. When you hear these one, we're going to do one verse at a time. And when you hear it, I want you to tell me what phrases stick out. What do you hear? So, Phil, stand up and read it one more time. And I want you to tell me what stands out to you. Awesome. What do you hear? Passing through. Where was he passing through? Okay, awesome. You know me, so here comes the map. Let's take a look. Um, map number one, right? Here it is. So you're looking at the land of Israel, okay? In the north, you've got the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River running to the south, and the Dead Sea in the bottom. You guys are probably used to hearing that phrase, right? Just above the Dead Sea, there, it's kind of crazy, there are three dots for Jericho, actually, right here in the red. Can you kind of see that back there? There's this little red splotch right in the middle. There are actually, there's an Old Testament Jericho and a New Testament Jericho. I couldn't get them to filter on my 
map program, so they're all three on there, but they're in the general vicinity. So this is where Jericho is. Just want to show you on the map. It's actually on the road to Jerusalem, which is just to the west. So if you can see, uh, it's hard to see, and I don't have a pointer, but Jerusalem is just up the hill, actually a big, huge mountain up to Jerusalem from Jericho. Let's go to the next slide just to show you. Up in the north, you see the Galilee, and this is where Jesus spent most of his life and most of his ministry. This is his final trip to Jerusalem. So the white line that you see is likely the route that Jesus took on his last trip to Jerusalem, and that is the trip he's on when he enters Jericho in the story. Okay, so he follows that white line, passes through the red, which is Jericho, and Jerusalem. Now, you said it was interesting that he was passing through. Very interesting. If you go to the next slide, I just want to show you. This is a modern-day picture of the city of Jericho. Okay, Jericho's totally in the desert. In the distance, you're looking at the Dead Sea. It's very hot, very arid, very dry, except for at Jericho. There are springs there, and it's made it an oasis. So it's a place that has good agriculture. It's a fantastic place to stop and take a break if you're about to climb a huge mountain up to Jerusalem. So Jericho is a very bustling, thriving city. Lots of people traveled through, especially on their way to Jerusalem. So that just gives you a little picture of the place that Jesus was going to pass through. But here's the thing. You can just leave that up there for a little while if you want. Here's the thing. In Middle Eastern culture, when someone like Jesus is about to enter your village, it is a really big deal. Okay? His reputation preceded him. He knew, they knew all the things he had done, the miracles that he'd done in Galilee, the people that had been healed. In fact, just before this story in Luke chapter 18, so right before these verses, does anyone know what Jesus does right before he comes into Jericho? He heals a man who is blind. So the buzz is in the air. Everyone knows this really famous rabbi is coming to town who's done all these miracles. And in Middle Eastern culture, when you know that's going to happen, you would actually go out of the village. All the dignitaries and the leaders of the town would go out of the village and they would meet him sometimes miles before he even got to town. And while they were doing that, in the village, everyone was cleaning and getting their best clothes on and getting their houses ready and preparing food. Because if this dignitary is coming to your town, someone's going to entertain him. And they've been preparing for him for a long time. And this whole culture is about honor. So they're preparing these things to honor Jesus as he comes as a guest. But it also honors the community when that guest stops and accepts that hospitality. Well, there's a problem here, isn't there? Because Jesus enters Jericho, and then what does he do? What does he do? He's passing through. Are all these leaders and all the people who have been cleaning and cooking and getting ready to, to wait on him and care for him, are they very happy about this? They're not happy at all. This is very, um, this would really be hurting their own sense of honor. This guy who they've anticipated is now just going to pass them by. And the crowd is not pleased. Okay, so that's kind of the context of what's about to happen. Who has, verse 2, 19 verse 2. What stands out? What do you hear in there? What do you want to know about Zacchaeus? He's a tax collector, right? 
Um, someone said on the list that they thought he was a traitor and that he was scum and that he was condemned and a sinner. And part of that reason is because he was what was known as a tax collector. We talked about Jericho being a place where everybody passed through. Well, does anyone remember who was occupying, who was ruling the land of Israel at this time? Anybody remember? Rome. Okay, so Zacchaeus is a Jewish man who in his town is working for the Roman government and he's collecting taxes from his own people to then hand that over to the Romans. Does this make his people very happy? They don't like that. Okay, now here's the other problem with that. A lot of people, when they did this, Rome just kind of set an amount of money they had to collect, but nobody in the people knew how much that was. So if you're a tax collector, what could you do? You could collect as much as you wanted. And then you pay Rome their fair share. And then you keep the rest. And what does the text tell us about Zacchaeus? What was he? Not just a tax collector, but what else? He was wealthy. He was rich. So his people believe this wealth, this comes because they've been stealing, he's been stealing from them and collecting too much. And they're not very happy. During the time of Jesus, in the literature that was being written by the rabbis at the time and in the New Testament, tax collectors and sinners are put together in the same category. They're despised. In fact, the rabbis used to say, it's okay if you don't like the tax collectors. It's okay if you lie to them. In fact, they even had a prayer that they, it would go something like this. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the, of, the unifor, of, of the universe, for not making me a tax collector. I'm so thankful that I'm not like that guy. In fact, in Luke 18, the chapter before, there's a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector that go into the temple, and the Pharisee prays this prayer. Thank you, God, that I'm not like him. So they were despised. They were utterly despised. And this town that was already upset with Jesus already hates Zacchaeus. They naturally despise their tax collector. Does that make sense? All right, here we go. Verse 3. Who has verse 3? Okay, so Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. And just like the song that we learned when we were little, right, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He was little, right? Well, I want to shed a little bit of light on this. This wee little man phrase, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and the Greek word that's, that's written here, it's helikia. I'm not a Greek scholar, so I can't say it very well. Helikia, which actually means a couple things. Small of stature. It could mean young, and it could also mean low social status. Okay, so it could mean you were short, it could mean you were young, and it could mean that you had not very good status among your peers. Now, think about this for a second, because the text tell us, tells us Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, but he can't. Why? What does it say? Because of the crowd. It says he wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't on account of the crowd. And then it says, because he was Helikia, small of stature. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you were in a big, huge crowd of people, let's say there were 500 people crammed into this room, and we're doing something, and all of a sudden the doors open, and in walks, let's say, President Obama, okay? Whether you like him or not, let's just say President Obama walks in. What would happen? What do you think would happen in this room? We'd look, and then what? 
We'd what, Dan? People would go towards him. If he wanted to come to the front of the room, do you think he'd have a problem? Maybe because there's a lot of people. I think eventually the crowd would part. Here comes this important man, and he wants to come into the front of the room. We're going to make room for him. Does that make sense? Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. Zacchaeus is powerful. Zacchaeus is wealthy. And he wants to see Jesus, and it says he can't on account of the crowd. Perhaps he was short, but perhaps the crowd was also a social barrier. And they're not making room for him because they despise him. They dislike him. They hate him. So it's a couple things. They're not making room for him, but he's not trying to enter the crowd because he knows they hate him. I'm not sure we'd want to walk into a crowd of people where we, were, we knew we were despised. So we have this interesting thing going on where Jesus is coming by and Zacchaeus wants to see him. Maybe he's too short, but I think it's possible that he was too despised to enter the crowd or make his way through. Let's keep going. Who has verse number four? Okay. Zacchaeus is doing two very interesting things. Did you hear them? Can anyone name them? What's the first one? You can look. It's fine. What's the first thing he does? He runs ahead. And what's the second one? He climbs a tree. Okay? This is really interesting. In Middle Eastern culture, even today, adults do not run because it brings shame. If you are a distinguished person, especially in the time of the Bible, you didn't run. You walked. You walked with dignity and with the honor that you deserved. You did not run. So we see Zacchaeus, this very powerful, rich, wealthy man, running ahead. Okay, that's crazy. And then what's the second thing he does? He climbs a tree. Let me ask you this. Do powerful men in our culture climb trees? Okay, so if we're in this crowd and Obama couldn't see over, do you think he'd climb a tree so he could look? Right? Does that happen? It just doesn't happen that way. Right? So Zacchaeus is doing some very interesting things here. Um, I want to show you a picture of a sycamore tree. This is actually a sycamore tree that stands today in modern Jericho. Okay, so that it's kind of there. I'm not going to tell you it's the sycamore tree, because it's not. But um, it's there to commemorate it and to commemorate the story. So this sits in Jericho today. Go to the next picture. This is another picture of the sycamore tree. And you can notice that its branches are probably low enough to get up in there. Um, but also, what do you notice? If you're in that tree, what do you notice? I can't see you. If you're in that tree, what are you doing? You're hiding. Was Zacchaeus climbing the tree just because he was short? Or was he climbing the tree because he didn't want to be seen by this crowd that hated him? But he still wanted to check Jesus out. It's interesting. Here's the thing about this. If Zacchaeus is hiding in this tree, if you look at this list of things that the crowd believes about him, I almost think he's starting to believe it. Zacchaeus knows they think all these things and lots more. And if he's running ahead and he's climbing a tree like this where he can't be seen, he's starting to believe the crowd. He's starting to believe what they think about him in his own mind. Let's keep going. 
Someone has verses 5 through 7. And you guys can feel free to follow along as they read these. This is curious, isn't it? Remember when Jesus was entering the town and he, what did he do? He passed through. He rejected the hospitality of the crowd and of the town, and they're not very happy with him. Now, Jesus gets to the sycamore tree, and he looks up, and he sees Zacchaeus, and he says, Zacchaeus, you, you come down, because I'm going to go to your house. I'm not going with all of these people, but I'm going to go with you. Now, you don't choose your own mode of hospitality. The crowd, the elders of the town, the leaders in the community, they would choose it for you based on what kind of honor you deserve. But, but Jesus rejected that, and he chooses who they think is a sinner. How do you think they feel about that? Not real good. Okay? And a really interesting thing happens um, in verse 7. What does the crowd do? They get upset. Right? They're watching this, and they're like, wait a minute. We prepared for you for days. We're expecting you to come and hang out with us, and he's a sinner. Why are you going with him? This is not okay. And they grumble, right? The text says they all grumbled and complained. And they were like, he's going to hang out with a sinner. What's going on here? Now, I want you to notice something for a second. If Zacchaeus is hiding in the tree, and the crowd now takes note of him, because Jesus has brought him to their attention, how are they treating him at the, at the moment? Hypothetically speaking, what could be happening? Do you think they're being very nice to him? Probably not. Now, we don't know for sure. The text doesn't tell us that. But I think it's interesting that now the hostility is toward Jesus. They're upset with him, and they're not yelling at Zacchaeus. That's interesting. Jesus is taking some of that on himself. Now, let's keep going because this is the really interesting part, I think. Someone has verse 8. Awesome. Does anybody have, is that the NIV you have? NLT. Does anyone have the ESV with them? Anyone have it? Katie, can you read it for us? I want you to pay attention to the wording because there's something really interesting going on here. When Britt read this, Zacchaeus says, hey, Lord, I will repay everything. I will give my goods to the poor. I will do this. I will do this. But I want you to hear it in a different version. Katie's going to stand and just read verse 8. Okay, this is really interesting because what's happening here is in the Greek, in the original language, um, it's, 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 a, it's a present tense use of these verbs. It gets translated as the future tense of the present verb. Okay, so what happens is a lot of times it gets translated where Zacchaeus has this huge conversion moment and he goes, Lord, I confess, I repent, I'll give all my goods to the poor, I'll do the right thing. But there's something going on in the Greek here in the present tense. And it's very possible Scholars like to discuss this back and forth, but it's very possible that Zacchaeus stands up and says, no, Lord, 
he calls Jesus Lord, first of all, which is kind of a big deal for a sinner, right? For someone that's not doing things right. He says, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. If, I, if I've cheated anyone, I restore them fourfold. Now guess what? This fourfold reimbursement is a command from the Old Testament. It's in Exodus 22, verse 1, and it literally says, if you cheat someone, restore them fourfold. What is Zacchaeus saying? What did you say? That he's honest. The crowd has all these things that they say about him. He's scum. He's a thief. He's a traitor. He's this and this and this and this. And Zacchaeus stands up and goes, but wait, you guys don't know this about me? You think I'm all these things? But I give half my goods to the poor. And I follow the Torah. I follow the laws of the Old Testament. I'm trying to do this right. Can you imagine being in the crowd that thought these things and ridiculed him and insulted him? And then all of a sudden, they're thinking, wait a minute. Is Zacchaeus not what I thought he was? Is he not a traitor? Is he not cheating us? Is he not stealing from us? Is he doing the right things? Are all these things I've been saying about him, were, were we wrong? Is he not those things? This is a huge revelation for the crowd. And you can almost sense their shock. Maybe Zacchaeus is actually a good guy. Someone has verse 9. We're almost done. You guys are doing great. Who's got verse 9? Awesome. Jesus now stands up for Zacchaeus. Notice Zacchaeus had already stood up for himself. And that tells you a little bit of his stature. But now Jesus stands up and says two things. One of them, salvation has come to this house. Now here's the thing. Salvation that we think about is like, okay, he believes now and he's saved and has eternal life. But in this culture, salvation meant restoration. I'm going to restore you. And here's the crazy thing. The Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua. Jesus' name in Hebrew, Yeshua. It's the same word. One's masculine and one's feminine. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to your house. Today I have come to your house. And I'm going to bring restoration. Just a cool little word play going on. I think that's pretty cool. And then he says, he's the son of Abraham. Anybody have a guess of what, why he would say that? Why would Jesus say to Zacchaeus, this guy is the son of Abraham? Any ideas about that? Do you guys remember the song? Father Abraham has many sons. Yes, you remember the song? Many sons has Father Abraham. Okay, so for the Jews, they all consider themselves the sons of Abraham. If you're a Jew, Abraham's your father. Were they treating Zacchaeus like one of them? Heck no. He was a traitor and a thief, and he was condemned, and we despise him. He is not one of us. And now Jesus is saying, no, what, you get, guess what, actually, he is. Who has verse 10? Last one. 
the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Um, I'm going to teach you a little rabbinic technique that's called remez. Everyone say remez. Remez was a tool that the rabbis would use to teach. So they would quote something from one phrase from the Old Testament, and it would refer back to you a whole chapter or a whole section of text that the crowd would know. When he says this, he's quoting Ezekiel 34. And this is what happens in Ezekiel 34. I, this is a prophecy about the Messiah, will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. Jesus says, I'm going to go seek the things that are lost. Now, in Luke 15, a couple chapters before, Jesus tells three stories about lost things. Anybody name them? Lost money. A lost coin, right? What's another one? Lost sheep. And what's the other one? Lost son. So there's something going on here where Jesus is talking about things going from lost to found. There's a lot of things going on. 